going to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. I wonder if in the traditional retelling, the kind of Western traditional retelling of the Christmas story, that Joseph isn't always put in a brilliant light. Here is a man who shortly is going with his betrothed Mary uh, to Bethlehem. This is the town that his family is from. He must have a lot of connections in Bethlehem. There'll be people who remember Joseph or Joseph's dad. Um, but he's going to a town, and on Christmas Eve, he still hasn't sorted out their accommodation in a town where he knows lots of people. Um, on Christmas Eve, I don't know if any guys can identify with that, running around town on Christmas Eve, having a little bit uh, of a panic. Uh, maybe your wife saying, look, I only asked you to do one thing. And you couldn't even get that sorted. But Mary, all the inns were full. I did try. You know, it can sound a bit wet. Actually, he is a profound example of godliness, a profound example of, of, of godly leadership. Now, husbands can learn from, men can learn from, but men, we can learn from what we saw in Mary uh, not that long ago. Um, women, you can learn from looking at Joseph. We, we're all in the benefit of, of this guy. It is interesting, isn't it? In the New Testament, there aren't lots of, lots of human examples, lots of case studies of marriage. We've got Priscilla and Aquila. They like get a few verses in Acts. Actually, this might be the most that we know of, of a godly marriage in the New Testament. Well, they're not married yet, but you'll note that Joseph is still referred to as her husband. Uh, so they were more than engaged. It was, they were betrothed. They were promised. Um, so for them, it wasn't an engagement that can just be broken. Um, for their relationship to, to end at this point, even before they're fully married, um, it would require divorce. It would require a divorce. So they were in the first stage of uh, of marriage. Um, and uh, I think it's a great example of something that Paul prays for all of us. In Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 10, Paul says this, And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, and so on. The prayer goes on, but just focusing on that 
verse for now. This is what Joseph was called to, to live a life that was worthy of the Lord, uh, that may please the Lord in every way. Or if you're reading the, the ESV, I like the way that it puts it, fully pleasing. Paul's prayer for us is that we might be fully pleasing, completely pleasing to the Lord. Sometimes we can settle for something a bit lower than that, uh, a bit less than that. Well, I want to please him in some things. In a lot of other things, I'm hoping to please myself. And hopefully, hopefully in, you know, I can, as a spiritual person, live out some strange compromise um, and, and settle for something a, li- a little bit less. Maybe like, I don't know if this is just because it's Christmas and this is the sort of thing that I do uh, when putting up my feet in a quiet moment. It's, it's, time, it's time to do a puzzle. It's t- I don't really do that many crosswords. They're beyond me. But sometimes the odd Sudoku or the odd crossword, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go, a word search. You know that satisfying feeling when you have completed everything is in the crossword. You've looked at every clue. You've thought it through. moment of understanding has come. You've filled it in. It all neatly fits together. Now, you might be satisfied to kind of like fill out one clue, put it down and go away. But that's not the same as just completely finishing it. Maybe a jigsaw puzzle. You know, that 500 piece, I know some of you are out there like doing a thousand pieces. I just can't be done with a thousand pieces, but I can give 500 a go. That sense of satisfaction as the last piece goes in. Can you imagine the sense of frustration? I hope you haven't had this experience. Of when it's, you're just coming to the conclusion of the puzzle only to discover there are no longer 500 pieces in the box. There are 499. Wouldn't it be just gutting to know that, in a sense, look, we had the opportunity to be fully pleasing to the Lord, but we decided, as it were, to walk away from the purposes of God at some point and settle for 400 and something pieces. But the, the Lord has something else in mind. Go on, fully, fully pleasing to him. Not just in what we do, but in our, in our priorities for life. And somehow how we process that, being fully pleasing to the Lord, is not in how our plans unfold, but when we discover his plans, which are sometimes very different Uh, from our own. So how do we live worthy of the Lord in such a way as to be fully pleasing to him? Whoever we are, whatever our status in life, uh, uh, whatever we feel called to, whatever God has called us to, whatever any day involves, how do we live in such a way as to be uh, worthy of the Lord and fully pleasing to him? My first suggestion is this. Always keep digging In the word of God. Whatever happens, always keep digging into the word of the Lord. Seek God in his word. Discover his will by growing in the knowledge of the Lord. By growing in the knowledge of God. Uh, I think it's in Hebrews where we're told to uh, take on solid food, not just milk. That by constant use, it's kind of reference to God's word, by constant use, we're training ourselves to be able to discern between right and wrong. To be able to discern between that which God would say, yes, go for it, and that which God would say, not now, no. To be fully pleasing to the Lord, to grow in the knowledge of God, to put his word to constant use. In other words, I'm not just relying on things that I gleaned 
at some point in my youth or at some point last year. Uh, but, but now, constant use, it's not specifying exactly how much, but the Word of God is useful. It's powerful. Um, it's there to equip us for every good work. And Joseph, I think, was that kind of guy. It says here, Joseph, uh, her husband, was a righteous man. He was a just man. Interesting he puts it like that. I presume he could also have said, and if we met Joseph, we'd probably say for ourselves, he was a good guy. But it says here he was righteous. He wanted to live in a way that was right. And for him, as a, as a Jew, he was wanting to live according to God's law. He wasn't trying to live to please himself. He was trying to live to please God, following God's way, following God's law, um, which is intriguing then, isn't it? If Joseph was just and righteous, he wasn't the sort of guy who would know what God had said, but then try and bend it a little bit, try and twist it round to, to kind of suit him a bit more. He wasn't that kind of guy. He wasn't one who would uh, just casually bend the rules, if you like. He wanted to honour God's word. He would have known God's law. He would have been familiar, uh, I think, with Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10. If a man commits adultery with another man's wife, with the wife of his neighbour, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. So he knows the law of God. Uh, it's become apparent to him that Mary has conceived a child without his help. And he knows what Leviticus says. So he, know, he knows what the law prescribed in a situation that looked very much like Mary's. That she uh, could be publicly divorced. As a, he would have also known what was in, De, in Deut Deuteronomy. Around what Moses had said um, in cases of divorce. That it could, a, divorce, a certificate of divorce could be given for, for sexual immorality. It says here that he chose, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So, that, so he's not going to follow Leviticus chapter 20 verse 10. And really he wasn't going to follow Deuteronomy 24 verse 1. He wasn't going to divorce her for sexual immorality. He was going to make use in the day of what had become available was a no-fault divorce. He could get divorced from Mary without declaring the reason. Um, but for some, uh, just and righteous people, knowing Leviticus 20, it would be case closed. Don't be so soft, Joseph. Here's the thing to do. This is what the law says. Divorce her and she should be stoned. She should be killed. Now, we've got to do some working out here then. Why is that not what he did? Was he just watering down the word of God then? Some internal conflict. He wants to please God. He wants to follow God's way. He doesn't want to bend the rules. But he feels that he should also protect 
Mary, his betrothed, and now in a very vulnerable position in life, did he decide to water down the word of God? Well, that's what the word says, but my feelings tell me something else. I should probably do this. Is it just that in that internal conflict, his feelings won? And he reduced the word of God. That's not so significant. I'm going to live a different way. No, he was, he was a just and righteous man. He, he was a man who kept digging into the word of God. You know, the, the church can get into all sorts of, uh, of dangers and mess if we are not growing in our knowledge of God. It can just become the case that we live by a tradition. We will live by something that's been handed down to us. Uh, we could live with a form of godliness. Oh, here's a certain number of rules that you've got to keep, but you know, make of that what you will. Just have the appearance of living a spiritual life. doesn't really matter what's going on. Oh, and I've got my proof text. This shows me what I should do. You know, a, a, a church can be a, a group of people who are very quick to take one example Take one person in a vulnerable position, maybe whose lifestyle doesn't totally reflect what God wants in the word of God, and lift them up for public disgrace. Well, the word says that they've made a mistake, so I'm just letting the world know one way or another, Facebook feed or otherwise. Here they are, and, and observe the mistake they made. Isn't it horrible? Isn't it? What a mess they've made. This is what, well, previous generations, maybe that was what the church was doing. Teenage pregnancy. Just held up, a woman just held up for public disgrace. All sorts of horrific things happening to real people on account of God's church living according to just an what had become an empty tradition. Not really digging into the word of God, just being quick to lift people up for public disgrace. Praise God that Joseph didn't do that. But it wasn't just by watering down the word of God. It wasn't just by choosing his feelings, it was choosing to dig into the word of God even, even more. To be fully pleasing to the Lord. I think Joseph would have also known Isaiah chapter uh, 42. I think he could have well been considering him, considering to himself, I want to serve God. Even this, this that's happened that's totally shocked him. You think, how God, how can I serve you in this situation? I want to be just. I want to do the right thing. I want to honor you. I want to work out the right path in this unexpected, shocking scenario. Maybe he would have turned to Isaiah 42. Knowing this, in verse 1 of Isaiah 42, Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one, in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he will bring, note, justice. He will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth Justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. He could look at the word of God and say, God, help me to be just. Help me to demonstrate the justice of God. And in this situation, he would look at that scripture, he'd know that scripture, and he'd look at Mary and think, I don't want to snuff her out. I don't, I don't want to come to someone who is bruised 
whether that's by her sin or another's, I don't understand the situation, but I don't want to come to someone who is bruised and just kind of run them through and finish them off, hold them up and be done with them. Here's a man who's digging, 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 digging into the word of God. But look, to be fully pleasing to the Lord doesn't mean that we become a bit detached from life, a bit robotic or aloof. We might have that in our minds. We might think, well, okay, Joseph was able to do that. Um, I can't imagine being so, so detached. Look, keep digging into the word of God and process every experience and every emotion in life with the grace of God. In this translation, it says, after he had considered this, I mean, that, it can sound a bit odd, can't it? Going back to puzzles for a moment. Like, considering, in what way did he consider? It can sound as though it was some cryptic crossword clue. He's kind of stroking his beard, just thinking to himself, five across, eight letters. Mary is pregnant. Hmm... What am I to make of this? Betrayal. Oh, that fits. As if he's kind of impassive. It doesn't, you know, the significance of what's happened hasn't quite hit him. Now you've got to see that the significance of what's happened has fully hit him. That kind of consideration may have not been that far away from Herod's considering in the next chapter. He considered the news that a new king had been born. He was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When the Magi, when the wise men didn't return home via Jerusalem to have that quick chat with Herod again, tell me where he's living, tell me where you find him. It says that Herod was furious. He, he considered the news about Jesus and he was furious. Maybe Joseph's considering is not that many levels below initially. Properly churned up. Everything inside him is shouting out, you've been betrayed by the woman you love most and have already promised yourself to in marriage. I don't think Joseph pretended to be unemotionable about the situation he, he was in. So being fully pleasing to the Lord doesn't mean being unreal. It doesn't mean kind of living life as some kind of robot. It, it means with whatever you are experiencing in life, in your thoughts, in your emotions, however you choose to describe it, is like Joseph, choose the grace of God. Choose to process them with the wonderful grace of God. And again, we can give thanks to him. We can give thanks for that. We can consider what it is that Jesus came to do to save people from their sins, not to lift people up for, to make a public spectacle of them. Look what they've done. Jesus was the, was the one who allowed himself to be lifted up. He became the sp public spectacle that others would shout out. So when he met a taxpayer, a tax collector, sorry, what am I thinking about? Must be that election, still there. Um, when he met a tax collector who by so many would have been hated, 
We didn't lift him up and say, isn't he bad? He said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house for dinner. In a way, he lifted, again, in that situation, Jesus lifted himself up to be the one that would take the heat, to be the one who would take people's anger, and ultimately to be the one who would take the wrath of God, the righteous anger of God against our sin. He would put himself in that position that we might never be there. He, his work is not to lift us up to make a public spectacle of us. So what a bad example of a human he lifted himself up. And actually, if he lifted up anyone else to make them a public spectacle, uh, Colossians also tells us it was the rulers and authorities, spiritual forces of darkness. By his death on the cross, they were lifted up. They were made a public spectacle. I have defeated them. I have defeated death. I have defeated the accuser of the brethren. I've defeated Satan and every evil spirit. And I'm bringing about the kingdom of God now and for all time, Jesus could say, by virtue of his death on a cross. So we give thanks for the wonderful grace of God that impacts our lives by faith in Jesus. And with that, process everything that happens in your life. Now we might get to that. Joseph got to that point. And he had this well-reasoned and thought-through plan to divorce Mary quietly, in a way affording her some level of protection, but that still wasn't fully pleasing to the Lord. That was his plan. It was well thought through. It was reasoned. It wasn't what God had in mind. So what does God do next to get his attention? God gave him a dream. Doesn't it seem odd to you that God should do something almost seemingly so fallible, so weak. An angel appeared to him in a dream. You can just put that down to a bit too much cheese. You know, God chose to speak to him in that way. You know, to be fully pleasing to the Lord, we have to be ready and expectant for the supernatural. It's just not diluting anything that we've looked at already, but have to be ready for the supernatural. You know, think, well, it sounds like Joseph had made up his mind. He may not have been asking the Lord, give me a dream. He was just doing life on the basis of wanting to please the Lord and live according to his word. He'd made a decision. I doubt that he was asking God, please speak to me in a dream. But that's what the Lord does. Sends the dream sends the angel in a dream with this amazing message. Now he's learning something more. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is God's work. What's conceived in Mary is by the Holy Spirit. God is at work. This child will be a son Joseph is being told, you are to fully adopt that child and you are to marry Mary and be with her. And you are, if this, if this, little, if this child is born of the Holy Spirit, it's like the Almighty saying, look after my boy. Look after him. They were an example of a blended family. It wasn't all neat and tidy and the whole world wouldn't have looked on and said how blessed they were. They would have just thought there's a story. There's a scandal. Something's not right quite there, is it? 
When did they get married? When was Jesus born? Smell a rat. But by faith in the word of God and the supernatural power of God that spoke to him in a dream, Joseph made that amazing decision. I'm choosing to please God. I'm not choosing to please all my neighbours. I'm not choosing to please all my family. I'm not choosing to please a watching world. I'm choosing to believe God. I'm choosing to trust him. This was not my plan, Joseph would have said. This was not my idea of how our marriage would have got started. But I am going to trust God in everything. Sometimes we don't know what to make of supernatural experiences, but God can use dreams to grab our attention. Some of us might worry. Does that mean that the word of God is not enough? We need something extra. So no, the word of God is everything we need. The word of God is sufficient. The word of God is enough. What's lacking is us. What's lacking is our understanding. What's lacking is our knowledge. And God can choose any means he wants to grab our attention. But no, even in that, in receiving the dream, in receiving this angelic visitation in a dream, I wonder if it still just directed Joseph back to the word of God. It's Matthew that offers it as a suggestion, as a reflection. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Was it Joseph who first thought, hang on a minute, I've had this dream his determination was to, to obey God. He reckoned this dream was from God. Is there anything in God's word that helps me to understand my dream? And he could turn back to Isaiah chapter 7. So there is actually a precedence here. God is prepared to do amazing things. As a virgin or a young woman gives birth to a son, they will call him Emmanuel. Five across. Eight letters, ends in L. It's not betrayal. God is with us. God is right here. And then you observe his, his, his faith-filled obedience to the re- revealed will of God. Sometimes it's like that. We are going on a journey with the Lord. God's will might not be the first conclusion that we came to. And what we see here in this example of a godly man is someone who was prepared to change his mind. In all humility, he realized God's leading is actually in a different direction to that which I first thought, that which I thought second. God's leading the way. And maybe that's relevant for some of us. We might not all be thinking, I want living a life that is pleasing to God. All of us, one way or another, are trying to do life the right way. Whether we recognize God's way or not, we're all trying to live out, in some respects, the right life, make the right choices. What we see here is, is an example of someone says, the best life and the most pleasing life is a life where I'm totally submitted to God's ways. 
and I'm going to completely trust him. That's the most pleasing life that we can have. And that's the sort of thing that the Lord is looking for us as well. Maybe for some here this morning, Jesus himself can seem like an unwelcome, illegitimate and shameful intrusion into our life plan. This wasn't my idea of a good life. Maybe you've got good, well-intentioned reasons for living in a different way. But God is grabbing your attention by his word, maybe even by a dream as well. Trust God. Trust that there is a law. If there is a God who designed and created you, that he has also designed and created a life that will be pleasing. Now we'll see next time. Not always easy. Not always comfortable. But a life that is pleasing, a life that pleases him. If we'll choose faith over fear, do not be afraid, Joseph. Allow God to redefine your plans for life. Allow God to reshape what you think your life is about. Live in a way that pleases him rather than pleasing ourselves. And we'll find that it is the most pleasing life there is to have how amazing Jesus should grow up with this example of godly manhood in his home someone who is prepared to dig into the word of God process life by the grace of God be ready for the supernatural bring everything back to the word of God and obey God fully when he reveals his will. Let's pray.